All right. Good morning and praise God for being able to be here today. And uh, I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, that was just a couple of days ago, and hopefully everyone got some nice, good family times together and had some good food and uh, had a chance to enjoy, enjoy each other's company. Um, you know, as long as I can remember um, as a kid growing up and even now, uh, getting together during the, during the holidays was always a fun, always a fun time. It was always a joyous occasion. Um, no matter what went into prepar- preparing the meal, um, there's some of us that have, you know, pretty big appetites, and so lots of food gets made for us so that we can enjoy. It. Uh, and during those times, and even to this day, um, thinking about some of Pastor's comments earlier around um, giving and uh, and how joyful it is, and 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 love, and how that's the most important commandment. You know, as much preparation as went into Thanksgiving meals, and even getting together for Christmas and for New Year's. I remember as a child, and even to this day, not once have I ever heard um, my parents complain about the work that goes into it, or uh, talk about how much it costs, or anything like that. And every single time we've gone over there, it's always been uh, nothing but a, a blast you know you, you eat a lot you laugh beforehand you eat a lot we give thanks we, and then we eat some more and everybody takes a nap and you wake up you eat some more <laughs> you know it's a kind of it's kind of a theme going on um throughout that day but never once was there any complaints by anybody about how much food needed to be cooked there was never a complaint about how much money was spent to get the meal prepared it was always just a focus on getting together as a family and giving thanks to god and enjoying that time uh, um, that we had together. Unfortunately, in the world, the way it is, though, that some families don't get an opportunity to enjoy um, each other's company uh, for many different reasons, either because they're far apart and they you know, can't afford plane tickets to go and visit each other, or in the real um, unfortunate circumstances, the families just can't get along. Um, there's a spirit of division within the families and even within the church that doesn't allow for people to get together and actually have uh, joyous times during this, during this time of the year. Uh, just the other day, someone um, hadn't talked to this person. I've seen them all, the, see them all the time, and say hi. And we just happened to stop each other in the hallway and just started talking. And um, you know, they asked me, "Hey, what are your plans for Thanksgiving?" So I was sharing them. You know, hey, yeah, we're gonna get together, go to my parents' house. They host every year, and all the kids are gonna come. The grandkids are gonna come, and um, new house. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. You know, starting this, starting this again. Um, and the person replied and said, "Oh, that sounds like fun. You know, I wish I had somewhere to go for for, for Thanksgiving." You know, and that kind of hit me, and I thought to myself, I said, wow, I was, in my head I was wondering what was going on. And so they explained that they have some family that, that isn't close by, and they can't get to them and, and see them and everything like that. And so after we were done talking, and I went back to my office and said a quick prayer for them that they, you know, could enjoy this time, even if they don't have anywhere to go. And maybe between the time that conversation ended till you know, Thanksgiving Day, maybe something could happen that they get a chance to spend it with someone uh, that they truly care about. So it's not a, you know, be at home by yourself and doom and gloom kind of thing. Um, But the way the world is, unfortunately, as I was saying earlier, that there is a spirit of division that's out there and it's operating. And it is getting within families. It's getting within the churches. And it's keeping us from being able to be on one accord and do the things that, that God is wanting us to do. So today we're actually going to talk about what that division looks like, how do we spot it, and also how do we defeat it. Because this is a time of the year 
which everyone should be able to enjoy each other's company and have a joyous occasion. But also, it shouldn't just last this time of the year. It should go on throughout every single day of your life, every single year, every single waking moment. There should be joy um, in your life. So we're going to look at what it is that co- what division is, how it's caused, and then how do we actually um, combat it. I'm not going to get into you know details around why families, if you will, uh, end up with a spirit of division that's that's in there. But so we're going to get down to really the root around the way the spirit of division operates. But in order to find out what that looks like, let's turn to the Word of God. So let's go to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12, and we're going to start in verse 1. It might actually help if I turn there myself. Okay, Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems in his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She, uh, she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to, uh, to God and his throne. It's talking about Jesus. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. And they should feed her there 1,260 days. Verse 7, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Underline verse 8, But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and, and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that his time, uh, that he has a short time, okay? Uh, verse 7 there, um, actually 7 through 9, uh, these are some of the scriptures that I've talked about before. You've heard me say about really understanding how the, the devil isn't as powerful as he likes to think he is. And sometimes we think he's more powerful than he is. Um, now, being a spirit being, obviously, um, he has uh, physical abilities that we, we can't match as human beings. But through the word of God and through the name of Jesus, he can easily be defeated. He's not as powerful. Uh, I kind of look at this and I Anytime I read that scripture, I think to myself, like, okay, so you're an angel, and you've got these other angels that are kind of on 
if you will, on equal playing fields, and you guys got into a fight and you lost to him. So, okay, and you think you're tough, and you think you're, you're big and bad, and you think everything that you say is going, to, is going to scare me and keep me from doing what God wants me to do, but you're not that powerful, okay? Other scripture, uh, the Bible talks about how the devil walks about like a roaring lion. Um, not that he is a roaring lion, but he's, he imitates, okay? Um, being cast out, and I won't get into um, the... the um, hierarchy, if you will, um, of, of demons and angels and everything like that, but he, he mimics everything that God does. So when he got cast out, and you see there it says that um, the angels were also, some of the angels were cast out with him, he then, of course, was on earth and decided, you know what, I was in heaven for, you know, however long he was in heaven. The Bible doesn't, you know, uh, make that, you know, say how long that, that was, but he knows kind of the inner workings, if you will, of what God has going on in his kingdom. So when he gets to earth, what does he do? He mimics that same exact thing, all right? But he's not as powerful because he lost to another angel, you know? And I, and I really hope you really get that deep down in your spirit and understanding that um, he's not that powerful. And I don't care what he says to you, what he might do, what he may say through others to you. He is not that powerful, okay? So I just wanted to touch on that there just, just briefly. Um, in verse 9, um, so the, dra- the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth. Underline that. Who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So Satan is not restricted to just to, to, to being in hell. He's on the earth. Okay, so all the things that happen around around us, the Bible talks about him being the prince of the power of the air. He's not, re, he's not constrained to hell just yet. Later on in Revelation, if you continue to read on, you'll see where it talks about how he gets bound um, for, for a season so that the world can see what it's like to not have Satan around. Then he gets loose for a season and then he gets bound up one more time for all of eternity. And then that's when we spend our eternity with God. Um, and that's kind of that last, um, you want to say, he, he gets one final effort, if you will. He gets one final chance to deceive the world one last time before he's locked up in the pit of hell forever, okay? That's later on um, in, in Revelation. We won't go there today, uh, but you can read that, uh, you can read that on, on your own time. Um, <clears throat> and again, if you read those scriptures, you see the angel, My- Michael the archangel, is the one that ends up chaining him up and locking him uh, in the pit of hell. So again, a reminder... The enemy isn't as powerful as he thinks he is, okay? Um, we're going to look at another scripture, and then I'm going to tie this into uh, where the spirit of division starts to operate within this, okay? So let's turn to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 14, okay? Just going to build a little bit of a foundation here to see that... Um, the, 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 the spirit of division, if you will, has been around for a very long time. This isn't anything new. Um, this hasn't happened in the world because of a change in uh, people in places of power or anything like that. This is something that has been around for quite some time. And it's important that we understand that because um, during these times of the year, again, getting back to holidays, but really not just within holidays, we have to understand that um, we, we, we don't want a spirit of division within the church. You don't want it in your household. You don't want it in your family. You've got to be able to spot it and combat it because God wouldn't want us to be uh, divided amongst ourselves. Okay? So let's look at Isaiah 14 and we're going to start in chapter 12. Okay. Isaiah 14. I'll wait for everyone to get there. Verse 12. 
How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, who, you who weaken the nations. For you have said, underline said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest, lowest depth of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities? Who did not open the house of his prisoners? Okay. In verse uh, 13 and 14 there, underline everywhere it says, I will. And in verse 13, underline where it, said, where it says, for you have said, underline said. You can double underline that one as well. Okay. Now, the whole part of saying. All right. So this is Lucifer saying, I will, I will, I will, I will. Okay. Businesses understand speaking prosperity, if you will, into your business by saying, pop, making positive statements. Okay. Jesus talks about um, speaking to, if you say to this mountain, be moved from here to there, that it will happen. Okay. Jesus spoke to demons when he cast it, when he cast them out. Here, Lucifer is saying that I will go ahead and do this. So the Bible, God understands that when you say something, okay, when that, there's something about that spoken word is what ends up turning your thought into an actual action. Okay. David even in front of Goliath, he told Goliath that I will take your head from you. I will do this. I will do this. He spoke to, to, to Goliath um, directly in his face. Jesus also spoke to Lazarus when he raised him up from the dead. He didn't think it in his mind. He said, Lazarus, arise. Okay, and I'm paraphrasing. I'm paraphrasing there. Uh, when God created everything, constantly it says in Genesis, what? God said, God said, God said. So there's something about the spoken word that takes a thought and it turns it into action and it makes it more real than if it's just in your mind or even if you just have it written on a written on a piece of paper that's important to understand because when it comes down to us in church okay um, there's divisions within the body of Christ around how you actually praise and worship God okay there are some that will say well as long as I'm just thinking it in my head and I've got my hands raised then I'm okay and they don't understand that well you have to speak you have to speak to God you have to talk to him if thinking it in your head doesn't do anything unless you're actually saying it to him if somebody gives you something and you're thankful for it you don't just think in your head oh I'm so glad about that at some point you tell them oh thank you I appreciate that how would they ever know that you actually that you're appreciative of what they've given you if you never actually tell them thank you if you never actually tell them how you appreciate them so how do you expect God to really know whether or not you truly love him whether or not you're truly willing to follow him if you're not willing to speak to him and tell him those things if you're not willing to praise him if you're not willing to do it openly and you're not willing to do it in a way where you're not worrying about what everybody else is, is thinking or if somebody's going to hear you because the reality of it is if the person to the left of you to the right of you the front and behind and behind you if they're also praying they're not listening to what you're saying they're focusing on talking to God so why are you so worried about what they're saying you should be worried about saying what you need to say to God so he can hear you because when it's time to spend eternity with God, what do you think is we're going to be doing? 
We're going to be talking with him. We're going to be praising with him. How many times in scripture does it talk about how the angels and the elders in heaven constantly are, are, are praising God and they're singing to him? Okay, that's what heaven is going to be like. So if we can't do that here on, on earth, what makes you think that you can do it in heaven? Okay, something to think about there, okay? And the division, like I said, within the church is, well, no, you don't have to do that because what some, what some churches will go to is, well, God knows your heart. This is true. And if your heart really is following God, though, then you wouldn't be worried about what everybody's thinking about you. Okay, you would know that. All right. If my heart, if I'm really, really, really deep down in the depths of my soul, really love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, I'm going to openly praise God. I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to say it. And if anybody I talk to uh, asks me any questions about my beliefs, why, why, why do I not worry about things? Why am I joyful um, during this time of the year when there's so many people out there that, that don't have as much as we do? I can say, well, because I have the m- one most important thing of all, and that's Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Okay? And through that, everything else will take care of itself. The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So why am I joyful all the time? That's why. Why do I sing in church despite when people um, around me might not want to? It's because of that right there. I'm not worried about what anybody else is, what anybody else is saying. Amen? Okay. Um, in verse 15 there, uh, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest, to the lowest depths of the pit. Or we just read in Revelation how, how Satan was cast out of heaven and is roaming around the earth wreaking all sorts of havoc. So verse 15 there, um, what Isaiah is talking about is the end result for Satan ultimately is going to be that he's going to be confined to the pit of hell for all of eternity. So he's not there yet, but he will be there once, uh, once the Lord returns and calls all of us to be home. Um, and we go through, uh, we go through final, final judgment, okay? Now, I will statements and things that Lucifer is saying here, especially saying that uh, I will sit uh, or I will send um, above the heights of the clouds and I will be of the most high, okay? There's a spirit of pride there that's making him do that, okay? Now, how does pride relate to division, okay? Well, one thing you have to understand in the, in the spirit realm, and this is not a... We're all connected and we're all one kind of a statement, what I'm about to say. But you have to understand that the spirit world operates together and it's connected. And so when the demons are operating, they will interact with each other and have each other start start causing havoc in somebody's life. Okay. Now, the word of God does not say what that conversation was like in heaven, you know, between Lucifer and the angels and however it got to the point of him saying that now I'm actually going to take action. But if you think of it this way, if he's saying that, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and the word of God said that there was a third of the angels that were cast out from heaven, that means something was being talked about in heaven with other angels about, hey, you know what? I'm going, to, I'm going to overthrow God. I'm going to take his throne. And other angels started buying into that. So the spirit of division now starts to get in there and say, okay, your pride because you're the most beautiful angel and the most, have to have the most beautiful voice as, as scripture des, um, describes Lucifer and, El, and other places. Now that spirit of division gets in there and says, hey, you know what? I bet you if there's enough of us, we could overthrow, we could overthrow God and we can get you where you want to be. So now he starts to get puffed up in pride and now the spirit of division starts operating and starts finding out, okay, what other angels can I get on board with this? And then next thing you know, all of them together start this war and what ends up happening ultimately is they end up getting defeated and they get kicked out. Okay, um, so the, 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 in the spirit world, 
these demonic forces will operate together. It is very rare that one of them is in operation solely of everything that's going on. Um, if you've ever been uh, or if you've ever seen anyone that has been demonically oppressed and they're being delivered from it, there's usually a couple of spirits that are in there that, that whoever is leading that is starting to call out. Okay, And as they're praying, they're starting to find more and more and more. And that particular session might be over, but there still could be more demons in there that are wreaking, that are wreaking havoc. Okay, um, If you think that's not the case, think of anybody that you know that, that has had um, any kind of disease like cancer or anything like that. Fear will work with the spirit of infirmity. Infirmity will bring about that cancer and whatever that sickness is. Fear will then get in there and operate and doubt will operate and despair will operate. And all of them together will have somebody believing that, oh, my gosh, this is the end for me. Um, I'm going to die, this, that, and the other thing. And they start to become afraid of death. The people that do end up being called home uh, to the Lord because of that, they don't have a spirit of fear. They end up having a spirit of peace. So when that's, that fear and that doubt and that despair gets an answer, hey, yeah, you're not going to make it through this. No, no, that's it. You're, 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 you're done. This is it. That infirmity starts to kick in. Spirit of mind control then jumps in there and says, yeah, you just might as well give it up. And now you think, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do now? But somebody that's, that's grounded in the word of God, they eliminate all of that because they know the word of God. And what they will usually say is, I'm ready. And they're peace. There's a peace about them. They're not worried about it. And they know that if God's going to deliver them, one of two things is going to happen. Either God's going to deliver them from the, from the sickness or they're going to get called home. Either way, it's a positive thing. Okay? Somebody that has fear that's operating within them with the spirit of infirmity, they think that this is going to be the end of the game and I don't know what's going to happen after this. You know, they don't have that peace of God and they don't know Jesus to know that if you do end up losing your physical life, the Bible says to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. So if I lose my physical life, I'm going home to be with the Lord. So what's the problem? You know, am I going to miss my, would I miss my family? Well, the Bible talks about how heaven, how joyous heaven is going to be. So there's going to be so much joy up there. You're not going to have time to miss, to miss anyone. You're not going to feel sadness or anything like that. Um, but, but, but part of your prayer at that point in time could be, Lord, just send the comforter to comfort my family. Okay, to keep them safe, to give them peace, knowing that my body is not here, but my spirit is up in heaven. And when the time is right, I will see you, too, um, at, at, at some point in heaven. Okay, so it's important to understand that these all these different spirits will operate together and they rarely operate on their own. Okay. Um, so like I was saying here, pride is working with the, with the, the spirit, of, uh, spirit of division because pride is saying, hey, yep, I'm going to go ahead and I will do this. Division says, you know what, I'm going to go out and get some people that are going to back you and that are going to support you. And then we're going to go ahead and try to overthrow, uh, overthrow God because I think we could do it. And then you also have a lying spirit in there. And I won't get into all of it, but then you have a, a lying spirit in there as well that's, that's feeding these lies um, to the other angels. I have heard pastors say that um, angels don't have free will but if you read these scriptures you will see that angels absolutely without a doubt have free will that is why Lucifer was turned into Satan and that's why Satan exists angels are not bound and they do not have to worship God if they choose not to but the ones that chose to or the ones that didn't choose to they ended up getting cast out um, with Satan so don't ever let anyone in any church setting um, Divide your beliefs and understanding that angels uh, have free will just like we do and that they do not have to worship God if they if they chose not to. They they don't have to do that. Okay. Um, 
Now, how else could division operate um, within your life and also with the even, uh, with, even within the spirit of God or with a, a spirit of fear there and pride? Well, if you feel like through schooling, experience in the workplace, uh, it's life experience, whatever it is, whatever knowledge you have, worldly wisdom that you might have, if you feel like you can go around and start solving all the world's problems and start fixing people, you've got a spirit of pride in it that starts to build up. As you start going in and find yourself saying, oh, I'm going to do good works. I'm going to go talk to Johnny about this because he's got this, this, and this going on. And that's me, my pride going in there talking to Johnny. I don't even know it, but that spirit of division is going to get in there. And every time I talk to Johnny or somebody else and other people, I'm going to start dividing everybody up now. Because now, again, that spirit of division is saying, you know what, I can draw a wedge right between here. I can draw a wedge in the church place. I can draw a wedge um, in the household. I can draw a wedge within the family because of what you think you know and the fact that you think it's your responsibility to go out and fix everything that's wrong with the world. Okay? Now, there's natural divisions, if you will. Um, You know, there's dividing lines for counties and states and cities and countries and those kind of things. And those things are needed. But here what we're talking about is that division where you feel like you want to do something and you start to drive a wedge in between things that God might even be trying to pull together. Okay? Um, We've all probably known them. We know we've all probably been been in church long enough where there's uh, some folks within the congregation that feel like that that's what their responsibility is. And they feel like every single thing that they read in the Bible is meant for somebody else and they'll read and they'll come and say oh my goodness I got this word for you let me tell you what I just read in scripture last night okay and God told me to say this to you and then this 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 and this and if you go ahead and you start believing that and you start acting on that you have no idea what other issues you start causing not only in your life but in someone else's life okay and you have these people that are, are, are in the churches and they will operate like that you see that more in, in, in the, the, the larger churches obviously because there's more members in there and, and there's kind of uh, what I would say is there's more opportunity for the for the devil to get in there wreak some havoc um but but it does exist within the body of christ okay um, how many different types of Christianity, if you will, um, that are out there? You know, there's different churches that say, oh, yeah, this is what we believe. We call ourselves this and we call ourselves that and we call ourselves that. Well, the reality of it is, is we're all in the body of Christ and there's only one Christianity. And that's being a follower of Christ. And one Christianity means that you believe the uncompromised word of God. And you believe everything that's in the word of God, not just bits and pieces. So if we understood that as a body of Christ, we wouldn't be going out there saying, oh, I'm a so-and-so and I'm a so-and-so. We would all be saying we're Christians. We wouldn't have some churches that say speaking in tongues is for the Old Testament and some churches saying, no, it's not. It's for, it's for now. Okay, it, it is for God is the same yesterday, t- today, and forever. So you can't just pull out tongues just because it was, it was talked about in the Old Testament. Okay, you wouldn't have some churches that would say, oh my gosh, we're not going to talk about uh, binding and loosening and, and, and spirits because that's going to drive members away and it's going to do this and it's going to do that. No, they would be talking about it because Jesus talked about it. Okay, so so if we really are in the body of Christ and we're not allowing ourselves to be divided, then we would understand that Christianity is Christianity is Christianity. There's no such thing as these different labels that we like to put on it um, as the world. Okay, Christianity would just be rolled into where we're followers of Jesus Christ. Another way division can, can rise, up in your, um, rise up in your life is if you're not careful about who you're surrounding yourself with. Okay? 
You got people that are around you that will always tell you what you want to hear versus what you need to hear. And you act on that advice. That could drive a wedge in the relationships that you have. And if you have people that are around you that are giving you godly advice, because of what you think you know and what you do know intellectually, you choose not to listen to it. That could also drive a wedge in relationships that you have. That could cause further divisions, not just within your household, but within the family, within the body of Christ, within, within your church. So it's important that when you're surrounding yourself with people, that your inner circle is made up of people that you know is, is going to give you godly advice. Okay? And if they're not, they should not be in your inner circle. Um, I'm really glad that, you know, over the years I've learned that, you know, the number of friends that you have doesn't mean anything. It's about the quality of the relationships that you have. And so my inner circle stays very, very small. And my inner circle is made up of people that will tell me when I'm wrong. People that will tell me that, hey, Brandon, you better pray about that. Or Brandon, hey, that wasn't the right thing to do. Or Brandon, yeah, that was a good thing to do and this. But I know that I can go to all of these folks and get good godly advice. I'm not going to get something that the world is going to say, oh, yeah, you should go ahead and do this. You should go ahead and do that. And I'm okay with that. Does that mean that I have a small group of friends? Yep, but you know what? All my friends are, are, are powerful Christians. And to me, that, that, that makes the most difference because I know that if God is trying to say something to me and for whatever reason I'm not hearing him, that the inner circle he has given me is going to say what he wants them to say. Okay, and then it's up to me to take that, to take that advice. Now, you can't always avoid um, people who are, um, who are divisive. Sometimes they just kind of show, uh, show up in your life. Um, and actually, let's go to Romans 16. Romans 16, I jumped a little ahead there. I got a little bit excited and realized I jumped ahead on my notes. So, <laughs> Romans 16. And actually, before we go there, um, let's quickly go to Luke 10. So we just looked at some scriptures that kind of laid a foundation to show where um, where division started. You know, started way back before time began, so to speak, um, in heaven in conjunction with the spirit of pride and other spirits uh, that were in operation there. Um, and Jesus actually gives us a warning about having pride. So in Luke chapter 10, we're going to go to verse 17. Luke 10, verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, underline all the verse 19 here. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, and nothing by by any means shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, underline this, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Okay? And the reason why I wanted to go there is there's a couple of things. You have authority to reject everything that Satan throws your way. Okay? Everything, through the name of Jesus. Okay? You have that authority. Don't lose sight of that. I don't care what happens, what goes on in your life, what challenges you're facing, what kind of people you're dealing with. You have authority through the name of Jesus to defeat Satan. 
The other thing is, do not allow yourself to get puffed up when you start having these victories. Okay? Verse 20, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. What will happen is, as if you, you kind of, you got to keep a spiritual eye out when you're starting to become victorious over situations, especially ones that look like they were impossible to overcome. Because as you start praying about it, and when God starts to deliver you, you get a sense of accomplishment. You get like another spiritual notch on your belt, so to speak, that, hey, I, I overcame that, okay? And the Word of God talks about how uh, rejoicing in tribulation brings perseverance and character, etc., like that, okay? So you, you, you get that, yeah, okay, I, I can do this. There's nothing I, I can't handle, all right? But don't let your mind go to the fact that, Oh, yeah, that's right. Demons are subject to me, quote-unquote. Remember that the only reason they listen to you is because when you invoke the name of Jesus. That's it. And the joy out of all of this is that the, the attacks from the enemy is an outcome of the fact that your name is written in the book of life. So the joy that you have is that when all of this is over, when my physical life is over, I'm spending eternity in heaven. That's what I'm happy about. Until then, though, I've got to navigate through this physical world, and I've got to deal with these forces of darkness, and I'm going to cast them out in the name of Jesus, and I'm going to win these battles, and I'm going to give glory to God. But do not get yourself puffed up thinking that because you overcame something that was very, very challenging, okay, that you forget to go to God when something else pops up. Or that you forget to give God, you forget to give God glory and thanks when he's actually delivered you through it, okay? Now... That we've talked about the warning against pride. Now let's go to Romans 16, verse 17. So one way, and I've talked about this a little bit, um, so one way that we can deal with division in our life is to avoid people that we know are going to do things that are going to divide us, whether it's in the body of Christ or whether in your family, your household. Okay? So Romans 16, verse 17. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. Underline that. The doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all, therefore I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Okay. So, avoiding people that are divisive, obviously, would be great, okay? But it's not always possible. But you have to, in order to understand whether or not somebody is being divisive, you've got to look at verse 17 there, which is um, the doctrine which you learned, okay? So the doctrine is the Word of God. You have to learn and know the Word of God to know when somebody's coming in there and is purposely trying to drive a wedge into something that God is trying to bring together. Again, whether it's family, whether it's in the church, whether it's in the body of Christ, the only way to spot that is to know what the Word of God is. So when you see these people coming around, okay, you make sure that, like I said earlier, you don't let them in your inner circle. Or if they're in your inner circle, then you've got to talk, to, all right, Lord, how do I get them out of my inner circle? Because I can't have somebody in my life that's going to constantly drive, uh, drive a wedge in everything that you're trying to do. All right? Um, because there are people out there that are like that. 
All right. Um, in verse uh, 18, there. Okay. For those of you, uh, for those are those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ with their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. A good way to think about the heart of the simple that could be a Christian babe, you know, someone that's just starting out, learning the Word of God, doesn't know enough yet. Could easily get led astray by someone that's a smooth talker, so to speak. Someone that really, really understands how to communicate and may play off your personal feelings, okay, and then try to sell you a bill of goods, so to speak, and say, oh yeah, here's what, can, here's what we can do to help you. Here's what I can do to help that situation, instead of saying, hey, have you prayed about that? Have you spoken to God about that? Simple, it could also be someone that was in the Word of God and for whatever reason has gone astray for a very long time and is coming back and is almost restarting, so to speak. You know, they've been away from God for so long that they haven't been practicing the Word and they don't understand some, and they forget about some of the things that they've already been, already been taught. Alright, the Bible talks about people or how they're going to be deceived in the end times. Alright, and even God's, even the very elect could actually be deceived, be deceived. So this is part of what the, the, the hearts of the simple is. And that's why it's important when you go to church, whether you, you, you watch a, a, a preacher on TV, or you listen to a podcast, you're physically in a church, or you talk to someone that's supposed to be a Christian, it's important you listen to what they say and not how they say it. Okay? What they say is more important than how they say it. Because if you look at history, there are many dictators out there that if you saw what they said, and, we, and you've probably studied them in history class, you think to yourself, how in the world could people be fooled by that, thinking that that's okay? But it's how they said it that got a whole group of people to say, you know what, I believe that. I'm going to follow that, and that's what I'm going to do. And then they go ahead and they start you know, doing things with, with, within countries that God wouldn't want them to do. It's no different than when it comes down uh, to people deceiving you and people that are doing this on purpose. Is they know how to talk nice and smooth. They know how to make it sound in a way that's going to appeal to your senses. And the next thing you know, you're listening to how they're saying it, and you have no idea what they actually said. Okay? So it's important to understand what's being said and not how it's being said. Okay? There are people in the body of Christ, okay, and it's unfortunate that, that you see this in some churches too. Um, they focus so much on number of members in the church, how much money the church brings in, and they get away from the Word of God, okay. And they will do things within the church, and they will say things to you for their own selfish reasons. Not because they really want to see you come to God and have a, uh, have a victorious life through him, but it's because I can then go back, and when I go talk to my other pastor friend, I can say, oh yeah, well my church is 20,000 people. How big is yours? My members tithe X amount of dollars. How much do yours tithe? Okay. And doing it, not because they're really interested in how things are going in the church, because they want it to be, everybody look at me. I want to spread my name out there so that I'm then going to go hold a conference somewhere in this stadium of 70,000 people, and they're all going to be coming there to see me. So my message that I prepare for that is not going to be based off of what God wants me to tell them and what they need to hear, but it's going to be based off of what I want to say, what I want to do. I want people in there to react because of me, me, not because of what God wants me to do. 
Okay? So again, you gotta be careful. Division in the, in the body of Christ and division in the church could easily uh, be unspotted if you're not grounded in the word of God and if you're not listening to what's being said versus how if you're not listening to what's being said and you're listening to how it's actually being said okay another way to deal with division is to make sure that we are in one accord not only with the body of Christ but with the Holy Spirit Um, as we start to wind down turn into 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and we're going to start in verse 10. Now I plead with you brethren by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you all speak the same thing. Underline that. That you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Underline in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it, is not, it is, for it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except uh, Crispus and Gaius. Lest anyone should say that I baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanas. Uh, besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Underline this. Not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no, uh, of no effect. Okay. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those uh, who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Underline all of verse, uh, all of verse 18 there. Okay. In verse 10, where it says that you all speak the same thing, and then later on, same, uh, same mind and the same judgment. If you bracket that whole verse there, I want you to also write in your margin, being on one accord. Okay. If we are all on one accord in the body of Christ, and if we're all on one accord as, as Christians, then we shouldn't be saying two different things as it relates to the Word of God. Okay? As I was talking earlier, two Christians, if they are one accord in, 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 uh, in Holy Spirit, and they're on one accord that the Bible is the uncompromised Word of God, and that's how they're living their lives, there shouldn't be disagreement around whether or not we should be speaking in tongues today. There shouldn't be disagreements around um, whether or not two men or two women should be able to get married. There shouldn't be disagreements about whether or not um, God actually parted the Red Sea or not. Okay? Or whether or not Lazarus was, was truly dead and, and, and rose again. Or whether or not Jesus was actually dead and, 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 the, um, and, and came out of, the, out of the grave when they rolled back the stone and saw his body wasn't there. Okay? There wouldn't be the discussion around... Oh, well, no, somebody did actually come and steal Jesus' body. He didn't really rise again. No, he was in a deep sleep and they took him. No, 
wouldn't be wouldn't be that disagreement. There wouldn't be disagreements about how you're supposed to praise and worship God and honor God, or how you should be tithing and what tithe actually means. There are some people that actually um, do not understand the definition of tithe of, of giving uh, a tenth of what you've earned. Um, they think that that number is up to you to decide how much you want to give, and it's not. Okay, a, t- a tithe means a tenth part. Ten percent of what you get is what should go to God. Anything more than that becomes the offering. Anything less than that, you're not fulfilling God's requirements. Okay? So being on same uh, on, on one accord, it's important for us as, a, as the body of Christ, and it's important for us as Christians to make sure that we are on one accord, uh, not, with e- not just with each other, but more importantly, with the Holy Spirit. Okay? One accord, not being on one accord, okay? The Bible talks about being unequally yoked. Not being on one accord can play out in your household if you are with someone that you're not, that you're not equally yoked with, okay? And that will raise all sorts of havoc in your life. Now, if you're not married, think about someone that you might be dating or if you get into dating someone, you've got to be equally yoked. Because you'll have one Christian or one person that's operating like a Christian the way the Word of God is, and you can have someone that says, nah, that's not what the Word of God actually means. It means something else. And they start using the world's wisdom and the intellect, because you can read the Bible intellectually, and you can understand a lot about the Bible intellectually, but you won't get to the deeper things of God without the Holy Spirit. So if you have that unequal yoke that's happening within whoever you're dating or within um, your, your marriage, how you approach things with kids, how you approach house, how how you approach the, um, the job, everything that you do, you're going to be at odds with each other because you're not on one accord, okay? It's important to do that. Raising kids, I mean, that's one of the most challenging things you can do, um, you can, you can do in life. If you're not on one accord trying to raise kids, it's going to wreak all sorts of havoc in their life. And it will play out in them when, they, when you see them and where they operate and whether or not they choose to listen and how they choose to listen, okay? It's important that you're on one accord with the Holy Spirit and that anyone that you have around you that you consider either family or a really close friend, you guys have to be, have to be on one accord. You'll see life is, is actually much easier that way and it's much more fulfilling because now you've got a team, if you will, of people that want to do what God wants to be done, okay? And then you can bounce ideas off of each other. Forsake not together. Forsake not the gathering together of yourselves. You can come to church and be able to say, you know what? I'm going to go talk to this sister or this brother about this particular situation because I know they're not going to judge me. We've built that relationship. I feel it in my spirit. I'm going to talk to them, and I know what they're going to do is they're going to go and they're going to pray. They're going to pray for me. Okay? You say certain things to the wrong people, they will use that against you. They will talk about you like a dog. All right. Um, when you have people that are in your life that will pray for you, one of the things that they'll do, and, and this is um, uh, one of the things I love about you know being in the body of Christ, is they're spiritual warriors. I mean, you pick up the phone and you say, "Hey, I just talked to so and so. Here's what they've got going on. We'd like to lift them up and pray. Will you stand in agreement with me? Amen. Yes, we will." And then you spread the word. And next thing you know, what goes from talking to one person asking them for prayer starts to spread to a whole bunch of other people that now are on one accord and they're praying and they're rebuking whatever forces of darkness are wreaking havoc in, in the particular individual's life okay but it's important that you have the right people around you all right um verse 13 is christ divided was paul crucified for you or were you baptized in the name of uh in the name of paul um if we're true believers there's only one christ and that's that's it period there is no other 
We're following Jesus Christ. Everything that we do should be in the name of Jesus. When you're uh, um, praying, praying over people, or, or if you're praying for someone, or if you're rebuking a, a, a force of darkness that's wreaking havoc in your life, you do it in the name of Jesus, not in the name of Paul, not in the name of John, not in the name of anybody else. Okay, uh, we know there's the 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 the, uh, the account in the Bible of the individual that was possessed, and he was trying to uh, the disciples were trying to cast out the demons, and he said, "Wait, Jesus, I know Paul, I know, but." Who are you? Okay, so you can't go trying to do things in your name because it won't happen. Those demons will laugh at you, um, and you won't and you won't be successful. Okay. Um, in verse seventeen, there for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made uh, to no effect. All right, this is the reason why there is division among believers and in the body of Christ because people start to talk with their own words and not with words of God okay not using holy not allowing holy spirit to say here's what i need you to say to to, to this person here's what i need you to say uh to this group of people all right these people that are coming to this church or to this function or whatever it is that you are getting ready to speak to they're not coming here to see you or to hear you they're coming here to hear me and what that means for us, anytime we go to these things, you know, again, whether it's church or some sort of convention, some, some spiritual convention or, or a Christian convention or anything like that, you have to be in the mindset of God is coming to talk to me. I don't care what anybody else got going on in their life. I don't care what he has to say to them. He's coming to talk to me. And everybody else will get what they need to get if they have that same mentality. But when I go to church, I'm here because God has something he wants to say to me. Okay? One of the things I found over the years is that you know, there was, you know, early on, uh, anytime there was a, a, a prayer line and pastors laying hands on us, you know, I would always sit there and think, I'm like, all right, Lord, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. What do you got to say? And he wouldn't say anything. And I'm like, what's going on? You know, I'm trying, to hear, I'm trying to hear from you. How come you're not talking to me? It wasn't until he said to me, he said, well, I want to talk to you, but you're not going to remember everything that I have to say to you. I said, okay, so what did I do? I said, all right, I bought a notepad. And then afterwards, I'd write down, I'd sit there, and I'd start trying to capture notes. All right, here's what the prophecy was on that. And then he pointed out to me, he said, well, you're also an usher. So by the time you get back to your seat to actually write down the notes, there's a lot of things that you're missing. Okay, Lord, what do I do about it? You have this wonderful thing called a smartphone. Use it. And I said, huh, okay. So actually, I started recording the prophecies. Now what I have found is ever since I've done that, he talks more and more and more and more because now it gives me a way to record what he's saying to me because as I've, as I've gone through this, what I've learned is that what he's saying to me that day is not necessarily for tomorrow. It might be for many months. It may be for a year down the line. Okay? I think I shared with you guys that... Um, a promotion that I received, a prophecy about six months before that. He told me that I would get be um, in his time. I would be receiving things that are beyond my wildest dreams. I got that promotion. It was beyond my wildest dreams. But guess what? He's telling me still. I haven't gotten you to where I need you to be, and I know what you want to accomplish. Just wait in my time. So what that tells me is okay. That prophecy, even back then, while there were some aspects of it that's played out now, there's a whole lot more to it that God's got in store for me. And that makes it really, really, really exciting. But my expectation is that every time I come to church, he's going to talk to me directly. He's going to talk to me, whether it's through prophecy or through the word or through both. He's going to talk to me. Okay, and that's what I and that's what I want. That's my expectation. That's how I learn. So anytime we're going to going to church, and if we all want to help, be on one accord and and get rid of that spirit of division, 
be on one accord that God is coming to talk to you or you're going to hear from God when you go to church. Okay. Last scriptures here. How do we get on one accord? Turn to Jude. And there's only one chapter in Jude. So Jude chapter 1. We're going to go to verse 14. Okay. Now Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, underline that, according to their own lust, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. Matter of fact, underline all of 16. And they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which are spoken before, which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk accordingly, according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual person, persons who cause divisions not having the Spirit. Underline that. Who cause divisions not having the Spirit. And it's talking about Holy Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, underline this, double underline it, highlight it, all of the above, Praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God according, uh, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal death, uh, unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of, uh, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Okay. The main uh, scriptures I want to focus on there is, but you beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Okay, so being on one accord means praying to praying to the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit, which is praying in tongues. Okay, um, it's a wonderful gift to have if you don't have it. So pray about it um, and ask God to give you give you that gift because. If you are praying, and I'll try to wrap this up without getting into a whole sermon on on tongues, Um, but when you're praying in tongues and you're praying in the Spirit, what's happening is Holy Spirit is saying, you can't get what you're asking for unless you ask me for it, and I will give you the desires of your heart if they're in alignment with what I want. So if you pray in the Spirit using tongues, that's God's Spirit, Holy Spirit saying, ask God the Father this, and then you will get what you're, what you're asking for. So it's you saying, being able to say, alright, forget English or whatever language I speak. I'm going to speak the heavenly language. I don't have to think about what it is I'm asking for. I don't have to think about what I'm saying. Because I know that by praying in the Spirit and praying in tongues, that I'm asking for the things that God would want me to ask for. Okay? That's how you get on one accord. Asking Holy Spirit to reveal things to you um, uh, w- when you wake up. Asking Holy Spirit to, to give, asking God for a spirit of discernment will allow you to see everything that's happening uh, around you 
and it'll help you to align yourself uh, with, with what God has actually planned for your life and not for what, what it is that you want to do. Um, but then ultimately you have to be willing to act on whatever it is that God is telling you to do and move, remove, yourself, uh, remove yourself out of it. Okay. So moving forward, uh, especially with the holidays, uh, the holidays on us, but not just for the holidays, um, for really for every single, every single day of our life. Be careful around of those that would come to try to bring division in your life uh, or bring division within the body of Christ or within your own household. Um, you can rebuke it, and through the, through the name of Jesus, you'll be able to overcome Satan and know that... Um, it is just a short time before uh, Satan is ultimately defeated and we get to spend eternity with God. Amen. All right. Well, I pray this message has been a blessing to you. Now let's prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.